Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness. It's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host teaching every week. My name is Jared St. Clair and I've got something special for you today. It's not my podcast. It's a podcast that I guested on with Nikki Wolf, who's become my friend over the last uh, six, eight months. Maybe it's been a little longer than that. I can't. Maybe it's been close to a year. Time flies. But an amazing woman, a wealth of knowledge and information, and she's been a guest on Vitality Radio twice. We'll link to both of those episodes, uh, one on men's health and one on women's health. And uh, you can check out her being interviewed by me, but this episode is me being interviewed by her. And we talk all about cholesterol. Uh, what are the ins and outs that you need to know? How dangerous is this stuff really? How safe and effective are the drugs for it, specifically statins? Really? All of those questions will be answered in the next hour on the Nikki Wolf uh, Inside the Aisle podcast. If you enjoy this episode, I encourage you to check out Nikki Wolf's uh, other shows on the Inside the Aisle podcast. A lot of really great stuff on all the main uh, podcast players as well as YouTube. She is wonderful someone who deserves your support and does wonderful things in terms of educating us on better ways to live a healthier and more vital life. I hope you enjoy the show. Give me some feedback. If you like the idea of me putting other people's podcasts in my feed so that you can find all my content in one place, uh, I would love to hear about that. Also, don't forget to join our Facebook community, which is growing every day over on Facebook. We'll link to that in the show description as well. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Aisle. I'm your host, Nikki Wolf, and today we are going to be discussing all about cholesterol from the 101 to a little bit deeper dive and really to show the importance of cholesterol levels, making sure they're in check, both the HDL, the LDL, and there's a little bit of an uncommon one called the VDL that a lot of people don't know about. And so we're going to discuss the basics and kind of understand how to manage levels and bring them back to balance. I have an incredible guest for you guys today. Jared Sinclair is a self-trained herbalist, natural supplement formulator, and podcast host. He's began his career at a very young age of seven as he foreshadowed or shadowed his parents in their health store. Now, by the age of 15, he was managing the store for him, uh, for their family and his love for the family business, the passion for the natural products and helping customers eventually lead them, you know, to recovery and feeling much better, led him to purchase his own store at 22 years old. And 30 years later, he has now been the owner of Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful, Utah, and he works with so many customers addressing common health concerns, digestive, depression, anxiety, immune dysfunction, hormone balance, and even women's hair loss. Um, and he runs and hosts his own uh, podcast, and that is Vitality Radio Podcast. Jared, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. I am very much looking for this discussion and um, just diving in and exploring this cholesterol world that some of them are, some of us are so fearful of and so really kind of pulling back the curtains on what cholesterol is all about. Are you ready for it? I am ready. Awesome. So kind of, you know, I think it's important to talk about what is cholesterol. We know generally it's a fat-like substance used to produce hormones and vitamin D and support digestion and so many things, but where do we go from there? Yeah, I think cholesterol is largely misunderstood. I don't think that most people really know what it does. And I think that most people, when they hear cholesterol, think of it as a bad thing. And so maybe the biggest thing I'd like to get out on this episode of your show is that cholesterol is is 
supposed to be in our bodies, that it has massive amounts of benefit in our bodies, that we literally can't live without it, that it makes up uh, a portion of every single cell in the entire human body, that 20% of the cholesterol in our bodies is found in the brain and is a critical component of neurotransmission. So it uh, supports a proper mood, proper cognitive function, uh, all of these types of things. So that's probably the biggest push that I'd like to make is to just shift the thought process around cholesterol and not be demonizing it as this evil thing that shouldn't be in the body. It is just the thing that needs to be in balance, like pretty much everything else in the body. Uh, you know, too much isn't good, but frankly, according to the studies that I've read, too little is even worse than too much. So Yeah, I've heard that as well. And, and kind of like I touched upon earlier, and I know we'll dive into, you know, there's the HDL and the LDL, which a lot of us know about, but the VDL, and that's a whole other conversation. And so really making sure you know your cholesterol, where those levels are at, and what actually affects and influences it. Because I know there's, you know, so many doctors talking about the fats that we eat, but I know that there's so many other influences that you know, adjust our cholesterol levels. And like you said, you know, maybe there doesn't need to be as much of a fear around it. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of misconceptions. Uh, one of the biggest things that is, well, I think the biggest misconception outside of just the general feeling that cholesterol is bad for you is that dietary cholesterol is the cause of higher cholesterol. About 75% of the cholesterol that our bodies make uh, is made in the absence of uh, any specific food that we would eat. The body can literally make cholesterol out of carbohydrates. It can make cholesterol out of fats. It can make cholesterol out of proteins. So even vegans who would at least theoretically not have issues with high cholesterol get high cholesterol as much or more uh, than omnivores do, even though they're not eating the animal fats, they're not eating very many saturated fats, which are supposedly, according to the, I'll say, quote unquote, experts, uh, the cause of high cholesterol. It's simply not true. There is a small percentage of people, there are a small percentage of people that do tend to get higher cholesterol when they eat higher cholesterol foods, but it's not the norm. It's actually the minority for sure. And I wonder if it's, you know, some sort of genetic, you know, I think about with like liver and MTHFR, maybe it's some sort of genetic predisposition that your body just doesn't process the fats quite as well as the average person. Yeah, I'm sure that there's something to that. And unfortunately, this is what's frustrating to me, Nikki, is that when you look at what's happened with cholesterol, and we'll talk about this in, in a minute, there's something known as the cholesterol hypothesis, uh, or the lipid hypothesis is actually what it's known as. And we'll talk about that, but the word hypothesis is really, really important. The problem is that once this hypothesis hypothesis came around, we ended up with people just basically buying in and saying, okay, this is how it is. Um, imagine way back when, when everybody thought the world was flat, for instance, right? That's just what it is. It's flat. But then all of a sudden we found out, oh, wait, maybe it's round, right? And uh, the hypothesis shifted. Not for everybody. There's still a few people that think the world's flat, but for most people, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the hypothesis has shifted. We have a round earth, you know, this kind of thing. So, but in the case of cholesterol, there are a lot of little things that, um, that I find frustrating about cholesterol. So it's one of my favorite things to talk about because it's one of the big things that I think people uh, really need to be educated on. But basically since the sixties, we've been living off this hypothesis of, you know, cholesterol, bad heart disease, bad cholesterol raises heart disease. So they're both bad. And there is not really any compelling evidence that really shows that that's the case. In fact, most of the most recent studies that have been done since uh, I'd say the late 90s, but especially in the 2000s, have indicated quite the opposite, that actually LDL cholesterol, higher LDL cholesterol add, leads to a longer life. So yeah. there's some really interesting things when we look at that. And again, some of that's going to be uh, you know, later in, in what we're going to talk about for sure. But let's just talk about cholesterol itself and the things that it does. You touched on a few things with hormones, but there's a long list. And, and we have to recognize, again, I think this is so important, 20% of it's in our brain and it 
cholesterol is found in every single cell in the body, every neuron in the brain, every neuron in the gut, and every cell in the human body requires cholesterol. It is what makes up a, a high percentage of the uh, cell membrane, which keeps the cell permeable so that nutrients can get in and toxins can come out. And it makes a huge impact in cellular communication. Our body's actually delivering the messages that need to be delivered hormonally. So if you're making estrogen, for instance, and the body is producing the estrogen, which by the way, requires cholesterol to be done, then the estrogen has to move somewhere into the body and tell a cell or a set of cells what to do or what to stop doing. And with a low cholesterol level, too low cholesterol level in that cell, cellular communication is blunted. And in many cases, we're, we're really hitting two aspects of challenges with cholesterol being too low at the cellular level. One is the production of the hormone itself is uh, slowed or decreased. And two, the messaging benefit of the hormone is blunted. So it's a kind of a two-edged sword when we look at that. So let's talk about what cholesterol really is in the body to do. It's a component of cell membranes, like I said, um, that and it also increases the fluidity of cells. So that's intracellular water versus extracellular water, which is a major, major uh, portion of brain or of cellular health. It's a precursor for the synthesis of what are known as the steroid hormones. I mentioned estrogen. You mentioned vitamin D. Of course, a lot of people think vitamin D is a vitamin, but it's actually a hormone. Yeah. And when we think about vitamin D, most people have heard of vitamin D as the you know sunshine vitamin, right? Well, what, how is vitamin D actually manufactured in the sunshine? The sun delivers no vitamin D to the body. The sun delivers UV rays to the body and the UV rays make contact with the cholesterol in the skin. And that is how cholesterol or sorry, how vitamin D is manufactured. Well, and you think about why, I mean, when I work in the stores or how much, how prevalent vitamin D deficiency is and how we're afraid of like going too high. And it's like, yes, we have to be careful of what we talk about in the stores, but it's more of a lower level that, you know, this epidemic that we're having. And, and it comes back to not having adequate levels of cholesterol, being able to like manufacture that vitamin D. And man, I've been spending so much time in women's health and hormones. And the root of all that, like you've talked about, the start of that is cholesterol. If we're having crazy PMS, infertility, all, you know, hot flashes, like it shouldn't be that way. That's not the norm of how we should be feeling. If you look back to the cholesterol, are we having adequate levels of cholesterol? That Because that's where it all starts. Yeah, it's a it's a necessary component of the production of all of those hormones, including stress hormones like cortisol. Uh, so it and and anti-inflammatory things that the body produces are can be blunted by low cholesterol as well. And it's really interesting, you know, when you look at like the World Health Organization, the FDA, the CDC, the NIH, and all these different organizations that pretty much uniformly sell the same message uh, across the the world now, they are adamant about two things that I adamantly disagree with. <laughs> One is that high cholesterol is a super dangerous thing and that the best response to that is a statin drug. The other one is that UV rays from the sun are a bad thing, mm -hmm. that sun is dangerous. And mm -hmm. I just don't believe as someone who believes in God myself mm -hmm. and him placing us here on this earth and giving us the earth for our benefit and giving us the sun uh, for our benefit, I think we've created this negative relationship with the sun. And therefore, most people, especially moms and dads out there, are slathering chemical sunscreens all over their kids before they go out to the pool, before they go out to play sports, before they go out to do anything, before they go out to a friend's house. And many women uh, get stuck in this little thing where there's SPF in their you know, makeup and foundation and things like that. So they're putting that on all the time. And so we wonder why we have low uh, vitamin D levels. Well, we're blocking the source of vitamin D. And in many cases, we're blocking the source of the specific fat cholesterol that is designed to make vitamin D. So again, kind of a two-edged sword there. And then when you just talk about like COVID, one of the things that we learned during COVID is that your odds of dying from COVID if you were hospitalized were 14 times higher if your vitamin D was too low. And so then maybe we need to be a little more cautious about things that would blunt that vitamin D 
production. So it's it's really crazy stuff, I think, yeah. in many ways. Absolutely. No, I think it's it's so important and we're not talking about it enough. I think things, you know, nowadays with this this shift when fat became kind of this big fad, I think we've started changing that narrative of, you know, fat being healthy and we want to include it. And I mean, I think about I talk about my husband and years ago when it was like the most fat-free things you possibly could imagine. And again, that's our belief that cholesterol only comes from fat, whereas all these narratives are just starting to shift. And so I think it's really important to really get a deep dive of cholesterol and understand where it comes from and the importance. And like you said, you know, the purposes of it. So we talked about, you know, hormone production, vitamin D, um, you know, so many other things. What else is healthy levels of cholesterol or cholesterol effective for? Well, one thing that's really, really fascinating to me, and, and this is very personal to me too, because my father had Parkinson's disease. That's how he passed away. And watching somebody get a disease like that and slowly decline over a 10-year period like I did with him was, it's, it's incredibly challenging as you can imagine. But not only that, it puts a lot of kind of focus on, okay, well, that's a neurological disorder. Alzheimer's is a neurological disorder. Um, so many other things, the more, you know, things that people think about a lot, like neuropathy obviously is neurological as well, but some of the scariest ailments that you can imagine, the ALSs and the, and the Parkinson's and the Alzheimer's and the dementia, all of these things are neurological. Well, remember I said 20% of cholesterol is found in the brain. Well, this is really, really critical. We have to understand that the myelin sheath that actually protects the nerve ending and plays a role in uh, neurological function across the board is made up almost entirely of cholesterol. Mm. So it's also incredibly neuroprotective. And one of the major side effects of cholesterol meds that reduce cholesterol, and, I, and I'm going to, I'll probably repeat this a couple of times today, but we have to recognize statin drugs do exactly what they're designed to do. They are incredibly effective. They reduce cholesterol. The question is, does cholesterol need to be reduced? Mm -hmm. But what we're recognizing is one of the major side effects and one of the most concerning side effects of statin drugs is uh, brain fog, uh, memory loss, cognitive decline. And researchers say, in fact, I, I copied this down and, and uh, put it in my notes because I wanted to read it. Yeah. Um, I think it's so important. Let's see if I can locate it here, though. Um. Oh, shoot. I well, and while you're, while you're looking for that, you mentioned the myelin sheets. Was it this protective coating around the nerve endings? If that myelin sheath is, I mean, obviously protective coating, we kind of have an idea. But if that's starting to deteriorate, is that what's creating the brain fog? Or what happens when that starts to deteriorate? Uh, that's actually, as far as I can tell, is very much up for debate. Uh, okay. We don't know exactly why. The best guess that I've seen uh, from researchers, because uh, I have not seen yet a paper that you know definitively says, okay, this equals this. But the best guess that researchers seem to have is just simply, we just get less cholesterol production. And so then we have less protection, less neuroprotection. Okay. Okay. And so it's as simple as just, you know, again, the drug doing exactly what it's designed to do. And so we have this thing in modern medicine that is really, um, I, I guess I'm going to keep using the word frustrating, <laughs> but it's a frustrating aspect of how we look at medicine. We look at everything as a target. Every symptom is a target. So first off, we have decided that high cholesterol is a symptom. Now, I don't necessarily disagree with or, or agree with that statement, but that's what's basically been decided. So if the symptom is high cholesterol, the drug is to lower cholesterol, right? And then we say, well, so that then will prevent heart disease. And we'll talk about whether that's true or not in a few moments. But if it does prevent heart disease, we always have this thing in medicine that we're always supposed to look at more than anything else. And that is the risk versus benefit of a pharmaceutical yes. intervention or a surgical intervention or whatever else. If somebody is going to take a drug to reduce a thing, then we need to make sure that it's not also going to have so many side effects on the other end that we'd be better off not reducing the thing and not taking the drug. And in my opinion, that is the case in statins. I believe the side effects far outweigh the benefits. 
Yeah. I think that's a, that's a question we should be asking ourselves with almost everything in life. I've, you know, even had people of like, okay, do I take away from my sleep to fit in the exercise? But it comes back to that, you know, risk versus benefit of what's providing a better value and what's creating more harm. And so that's a, that's a really interesting point. And, you know, I'm curious to hear your point because you talk about not necessarily believing cholesterol is a bad thing. So we have our LDL or HDL, which most people are familiar with. HDL, I think of like the happy, or I've heard like heavenly um, cholesterol, whereas the LDL is like mm -hmm. the Lucifer one. Um, you know, I'm curious <laughs> to hear your point on that. But then also, what is this VDL? All right. So it's it's actually VLDL oh, VL. uh, because it is a form of LDL cholesterol, which would be considered, quote unquote, bad cholesterol, right? Yeah. VLDL is LDL cholesterol that has oxidized. Now, this is one place where I think there's probably actual reason for concern. Now, I don't know that there's a lot of evidence that there's reason for concern, but there's I would say there's more evidence leaning towards that than just LDL as a general uh, level being a concern. Anything that's oxidized in the body, uh, and, and if you're not familiar with that term, you certainly listening to Nikki's show, I'm sure are familiar with the term antioxidant. Mm -hmm. We're always trying to prevent oxidation of the cells in the body. Oxidation, I always equate it to rust on a car. Uh, you know, it's just the breakdown of the material that makes up the cells and leads to cell death. So when we think about oxidation, um, a, a cholesterol molecule that has oxidized is no longer of real benefit in the body. So anybody that comes to me and, and you need to understand listening, I'm sure most people that are here on the show have never heard of me before. I'm not a doctor. You introduced me. I'm a health food store kid that now I'm a health food store old man at 50. Uh, but I grew up, you know, doing this for a living. I'm not a medical doctor. This isn't medical advice uh, or anything like that. But what I think you need to look at if you're looking at your numbers and your doctor has said, hey, your cholesterol is a little high or a lot high, whatever they've said. You need to look at all three of those numbers and you also need to take a look at triglycerides. All of those matter. But the question is, why do they matter? And this is what I think is really interesting, Nikki. About 20 years ago, I read a, a little pamphlet that uh, I received I don't even remember where I got it from. It was about an eight page pamphlet. And it was the first thing that really started shedding light on this for me. And it was called The Cholesterol Hoax. Now, there's a book now by that same title. You can find it on Amazon or wherever. And uh, it, but the, the pamphlet was just basically excerpts from the book. And one of the things that I thought was really, really interesting is that they had determined through what is known as a meta-analysis. And if mm -hmm. you're not familiar with the term meta-analysis, um, what I mean by that is basically a, a group of studies that have been done and they take all of those studies and throw them together so that instead of they're looking, looking at maybe 300 people, maybe they're looking at 50,000 people or something like that. So they've done a meta-analysis to try and determine, you know, what really is the optimal cholesterol level. Now, in medicine right now, your doctor most likely will tell you that over 200 total cholesterol is too high and over 100 LDL is too high. And so most doctors are shooting to get underneath both those numbers. Now, if you recognize HDL as the, you know, heavenly, uh, the, the better of the two cholesterols or whatever, and honestly, that's even up for debate, but let's mm -hmm. just say that that's the case. And, you know, most people are running around with 40 to 50, maybe, uh, as their total HDL number, which means then in order to get under 100 LDL, you're going to have to go into the 150 range total cholesterol, which is 50 points, you know, lower than what they say is safe. And there is compelling evidence, very compelling evidence that cholesterol under 150 is far more dangerous than cholesterol over 300. And you're talking about total cholesterol, right? I'm talking total. Okay. Yeah. So we, so first off, well, can we talk about the hypothesis? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think this is, well, I wanted to get quick clarification. So, cause I remember years ago doing blood work and the, you know, cholesterol isn't like a thing I'm skilled, very skilled at as far as understanding, but I remember researching that there were two kinds of like the 
um, LDO where there was the very dense, like you mentioned, but then there was like a softer, more buoyant one. And I believe it, it was that very dense one that that was technically the bad one, whereas the other form. And so even though we think LDL bad, it like there's two components of that, that we have to do even a deeper dive. Is that correct? That the, the, it's the very dense one, that the one that is considered the bad one. Well, you, that's the thing. All of this leads back to what I was just saying, the hypothesis. I don't really believe that anybody knows definitively if HDL is a better thing than LDL or LDL is a worse thing. We have to recognize, and I think this is, at least this is my way of looking at things. I look at the human body as a machine that if all is, uh, that we need to look at and say, okay, what is balance for the human body? And we know medically that there are a lot of things that we need to have in balance, right? So estrogen versus progesterone, for instance, or estrogen versus testosterone and vitamin D, but also vitamin D versus vitamin K, right? And magnesium and zinc, but also zinc versus copper, right? So there's all these things that have to be balanced. And it's not that necessarily zinc and copper, that one is bad and one is good. But if you're taking a zinc supplement and you're not taking a copper supplement, you have a, a very good chance of actually becoming deficient in copper. Well, if that's the case, then we have to think, okay, well, it naturally, we were created with a need for LDL and HDL. So maybe they're both good. And maybe they're both not good if they're too high, but maybe they're both good, you know, if kept in in balance and in balance with one another. So I just don't think there's an answer for that question. I haven't seen it anyway in the studies. I've yeah. Done. And you think about cortisol. I mean, cortisol in excess is not a good thing, but we need it for many functions. So you're right. It's finding that balance. All right. Let's turn the train lipid hypothesis. Um, I, I'm really curious about um, this conversation. So the lipid hypothesis thing is one of the most fascinating things. I honestly, I think I learned about it back 20 years ago when I was reading that that paper, and I've since read a lot about it. But I'll actually just read this straight from Wikipedia. The lipid hypothesis, also known as the cholesterol hypothesis, is a medical theory postulating a link between blood cholesterol levels and the occurrence of cardiovascular disease. So if you've been out of school for a while and you're a little rusty on your scientific terms, hypothesis means we think this is probably the case. Now we're going to do a bunch of experiments to prove that that's the case or to disprove that that's the case, right? A theory is just somebody's opinion. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's many people's opinion when it comes to medicine, but it's not proven. Theories aren't proven until they're facts and then they're not theories anymore, right? So here's the thing that's crazy though. The lipid hypothesis uh, first came up in the 60s and it is still, Nikki, a hypothesis. Mm. It's still never been proven. Um, you know, I, there's, well, let me read this to you. I think this is really, really kind of fascinating because it leads to sort of the debate over the hypothesis. Like, is it even true. And most researchers do believe, the vast majority, I would say, of researchers and doctors do believe that high cholesterol leads to a higher risk of heart disease. And we'll talk about whether that's true or not in a minute, but that's the, the prevailing belief. And so they consider that being sort of, you know, cholesterol being the demon chemical, the demon molecule, if it gets above that 200 range. And then they say, well, yeah, we, you need cholesterol, just keep it under 200. This is a little thing that I think is really fascinating. There was a time not too long ago, I, I'll say it this way, I'm old enough to remember when 250 was the preferred number for total cholesterol. And then it went down to 225. And then it went down to 200. But guess how many studies were done during that time that proved that 200 was a safer number than 250? Zero. There you go. None, <laughs> right? But what happened with when it went from 250 to 225 to 200? Well, all of a sudden, statin drugs became the number one prescribed drug in America. It's only a $20 billion a year industry. Think about that. $20 billion with a B a year. There are motivated people looking to still push this cholesterol hypothesis because $20 billion a year talks. 
And but again, from 250 to 200, nobody knows if that's actually yeah. a safer thing. Yeah. So most of these researchers that believe that they say that uh, you know it's dominated cardiovascular research and prevention for almost half a century. Uh, the numbers of contradictory studies may exceed those that are supportive. I want to read that again. Since this is over 50 years now that we've been talking about this lipid hypothesis, and there may actually be more studies disproving it than proving it at this point. Published studies in major medical journals, not opinion, not theory, actual evidence. So first off, think about how crazy that is, because there are a lot of things that natural people like me, like you, you know, kind of believe that might be against the grain of, you know, modern medicine, right? And some of those things are really our own theories too. Like, well, yeah, I, I think to me, logically, it makes sense that, you know, da, 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 whatever it is. But in this case, the medical establishment itself has more studies proving, disproving the hypothesis than proving the hypothesis. Yeah, We're that's still going not with what the we hypothesis. hear about. And if you do hear about it, so I've got two things that I uh, uh, pulled up uh, when I was uh, preparing for this show. One was in 2017 and one was in 2019. So these are very recent studies. Both were meta-analysis. So just like I talked about before, one of them contained a meta-analysis that uh, all told, I think it was 34 studies compiled together. All told there were 70,000 different uh, people uh, in these studies. And what they found, they reviewed, yeah, the research of 70,000 people and found that elevated levels of bad cholesterol, okay, that's LDL, did not raise the risk of early hmm. death from cardiovascular disease in people over 60 years old. The authors called the statin guidelines to be reviewed, or sorry, called for the statin guidelines to be reviewed, claiming the benefits of statins are exaggerated. Not only did the study find no link between high cholesterol and early death, and I want to repeat that, no link, not a weak link, zero link. It also found that people with high bad cholesterol actually lived longer hmm. and had fewer incidences of heart disease. So I believe the average consumer, based on marketing, based on listening to their doctor, based on the news reports that you actually do see, because I will tell you this, if you want to Google this, you can find information that supports everything that I'm saying. I'm actually happy to send you some links if you want to yeah, share. Yeah, I with definitely your want to do a Nikki. collection of like, you know, some of the clinical studies. I would love to put that yeah, in the show notes. I'll be happy to send that over to you. But you've got to dig because every time that you type in something like, uh, does cholesterol actually prevent heart disease? Uh, is cholesterol dangerous? Is cholesterol is high cholesterol better than low cholesterol? These are all search terms I used preparing for this show. Another one, I just typed in cholesterol hoax. And you do get the link to that book that I was telling you about, but then you get 10 uh, separate articles written in mainstream magazines and newspapers saying that anybody saying that cholesterol, the cholesterol hypothesis is a hoax, is uh, a researcher that is uninformed, that is biased, doesn't know how to research the subject. These are things that, again, are published in medical journals, but they disagree with the narrative. And you maybe people listening to your show know that that was happening over the last few years a lot, right? People were disagreeing with the negative narrative and they were being slammed down and censored and said, you know, shut up, just take the medicine and move on. Well, that's what has been happening with cholesterol. They like to just kind of dumb it down and keep it in uh, on the back burner, any of the debate opposing the hypothesis. Yeah. I think most of the listeners that listen to Inside the Aisle, it's kind of even before that, kind of before this wave of really seeing behind the curtains, it's, you know, it's the traditional understanding behind cholesterol. And so I think this might be new information for a lot of the listeners and, um, you know, just getting that understanding of what cholesterol is and how it benefits and should we be as afraid behind it as, you know, social or media is, is making us feel. Yeah. And I, and I'll say this, I think you're more at risk from the fear of high cholesterol being a problem than you are from the high cholesterol itself. One of the things that media and medicine has done a very, very good job of is 
uh, scaring people into taking drugs. Yeah. It's a really, really common thing. It's not to say that some drugs don't save lives. They absolutely can. But in many cases, we are scared into taking the medicine. And in this case, we don't even have any evidence that this medicine does what we want it to do. And that's the hardest part about it. Like I said before, cholesterol meds, the statin drugs, they are effective. They do exactly what they're designed to do. They lower cholesterol. And in most cases, mostly bad cholesterol is what gets lowered. Yep. And that's what they're supposed to do. But that's supposed to lead to lower heart disease. And that's the problem. We're not seeing lower heart disease because of it. Yeah. And I, and I think a huge takeaway for our listeners and is just to really question and ask and research. And I think that's where a lot of us, you know, over these last few years have really, you know, the information that we're hearing is pushed to us. Do we really want to take that completely as truth, 100%, or let's kind of do our, our digging and deep dive? And I'm a firm believer in integrated medicine. I am on meds for some other stuff. I think there's beauty behind both components of Eastern and Western, but really doing that deeper research. And and, and like you said, Beth, you know, looking at the pros and cons, I, I had a situation this morning where I'm what I'm less than three weeks from giving birth and I've been getting into a swimming routine and absolutely loving it. It's bringing so much joy. It's making me feel good. Granted, it's in an indoor pool that probably does not have great chemicals. And, you know, somebody mentioned something about well, what about all the toxins and chemicals and blah, blah, blah. There's that stuff everywhere. And it, I think for me, it comes down to the benefits that I'm receiving from swimming and giving my baby, you know, this this boost of endorphins and exercise so outweighs. And even the rumination that you can have on the chemicals in the pool, it's like we can do that for everything in life. So I, I really, um, I like what you said as far as like really looking at both situations and kind of weighing out what makes the most sense for you. Yeah, everything comes with a bit of a trade-off, right? It's like we, one of the challenges of kind of going down the rabbit hole of, of natural health and listening to podcasts like this. Most people listening to your show also listen to another one or two or three or five shows that, regarding health and nutrition, and they're following people on Instagram and Facebook and all over. And we get inundated with all of this information. And unfortunately, to a large degree, much of the information is less about take this, it's good for you, and more about avoid this, it's bad for you. Yeah. And so then we get this sort of fear thing like, okay, well, I can't get in a pool that has chlorine in it, and I can't have a product that has natural flavors because I don't know it's in the natural mm -hmm. flavors, even though maybe everything else in the product is super good for me. And all of these little trade-offs that we make, and it's one of the things that I always tell people is if you get too concerned about mm -hmm. all of the don'ts, and frankly, all of the do's, because most of us aren't doing everything that we've heard is good for us, right? If you get too hung up on that stuff, it gets to the point of overwhelm. And when you get overwhelmed, you just don't do anything. And so we always have to recognize there's going to be a trade-off. And I believe that we are intuitive people. I believe that we are built with an inner voice that whispers to us truth, really. And that if we're looking at it and saying, hey, this feels good to me like what you said with the pool and the swimming. And I feel like I'm doing something good for me and good for my baby. If you've weighed that out in your heart and mind, and that's how you feel, it's probably the right thing for you and your baby. And so I, we, we have been pushed into a corner, I think, in American society where we have been made to feel that we are not capable of taking care of our own health, that we have to give that job to somebody else. It's got to be somebody in a white coat with a medical degree. And this happens on the natural side, too. People that go to naturopathic doctors, people that go to chiropractors or, you know, whoever they're using as their as their uh, natural you know resource for information. They think, well, I have to get that person's OK before I can do this because I don't know what the heck I'm doing. But I don't believe that. I think we all do know what we're doing to a large degree if we're listening and paying attention. And that's a key term, listening and paying attention, because here's the thing. You and I are, you know, well-educated. We're passionate about this. We do our research. Not everybody's like that. There's so many, you know, where they're interested in this and this and this. And so they hear this information. So yes, I do agree. But also maybe there's individuals that are so ignorant and they're like, well, I'm listening to my body. It says to sit inside 
all day today, you know, or it, it says to do this. And so the, I think there is like a little bit of a fine line, but I, I believe that if you are an aware individual that you can listen to the signs in your body and you can slow down enough to be able to, okay, this doesn't feel right. You know, something seems off then absolutely. I, I, I think that, but if I, there's so many people that live these highly distracted and stimulating lives because they don't want to listen to their body or they don't want to feel the pain or discomfort, I'd be a little cautious for them to, you know, start kind of, oh, well, this is what it says. Me, you know, I'm, I'm craving something spicy. Let me have some hot Cheetos. So I do think there is a balance, but I think <laughs> it comes back to let's all be a little bit more aware and, you know, wanting to know more, that growth mindset of I, I want to do some more digging and I, I don't want to just depend on outside influences telling me what to do. Yeah. And that's really what I mean is, it, and, and not even one, you know, one outside influence. Many of us become some, somewhat enamored with someone that we feel like we can connect with. Yeah. I have a lot of people that have told me that about Vitality Radio podcast that they're like, hey, I feel like I can trust you, that I can trust your message. And I say, I probably almost on every show, this is my opinion. It's not medical advice. And please do your own research. Become an informed consumer. I do my show specifically for the purpose of making or helping people make wise decisions as uh, natural products buyers, people that are supplementing. One of the big challenges there is, of course, there's a ton of marketing in it, right? Uh, you know, even Life Seasons, of course, is a company that I think makes great products, but they also market their products. I have a line of products that I think are great products, but I market my products. I have a bias. I want people to buy the formulas that I've designed. And there's nothing wrong with that if there's integrity behind the formula and the marketing and all this kind of stuff. But we don't know if there's integrity behind all of this all of the time. And we have to recognize that if we're really relying on a source of information, then we're we're putting all our eggs in one basket. And if we aren't willing to get informed as consumers, we will not be wise consumers and we will make a lot more mistakes. I've had lots of people over the years, Nikki, that have told me I felt really bad about doing this, but I did it anyway. Hmm. And I've heard that with surgeries. I've heard that with pharmaceuticals and other interventions, things that people have given to their kids, to themselves, whatever. And they weren't feeling okay about it. It didn't feel right, but their doctor said it was right. And so they ignored their inner guidance and did that. So if, if what I tell people is, look, if you have that feeling that this is good for me or this is bad for me, that's probably not enough on its own, but it is enough to say, oh, maybe I should look into that yeah. first. Yeah. Maybe I should actually check behind the scenes and see what I can come up with. Let's become more conscious, more aware. Um, yep, absolutely. So you kind of get that yellow flag. Doesn't mean it's a red flag. Let's just dive a little bit deeper into that now. Okay. So from all this, your beliefs on cholesterol are a little bit different than the norm. What would you say, what would you, you know, for listeners, how do we support whether you want to call that healthy cholesterol levels? What would you recommend maybe dietary lifestyle supplemental to, to support our cholesterol levels? Well, there's a couple of things to keep in mind. And, and I actually was starting to allude to this and I think I got, I sidetracked myself earlier, but one thing is that we don't know what we don't know. I did a whole show called that a couple of years ago during all the COVID craziness is, you know, we have to recognize what we do know and what we don't know. And there's a lot of stuff we didn't know. We were being told this is the way to go. This is what to do, what not to do and all this kind of stuff. But we didn't know it was all, again, hypothesis or, or narrative or whatever you want to call it. And in the case of cholesterol, one of the big frustrations for me is that because everybody has just kind of thrown in behind this hypothesis and said, sounds good to me, I'll prescribe more statins, then we have largely ignored how much cholesterol is actually an optimal cholesterol level? How is LDL really bad? Is HDL really good? How much does VLDL matter? There are studies associated with all of those things, but not very many. Most of the studies that I've seen over the last 20 years are basically just studies that either support the hypothesis 
or don't support the hypothesis and not looking behind or at uh, other aspects of it to determine what really is balance. And so that's a really tough question in terms of what's balanced. So one thing that people are kind of fascinated by, I think, <laughs> it's it's been funny. I see uh, wide eyes a lot when I have this conversation at Vitality, is people coming in and saying, hey, I've got high cholesterol. What do you have for it? I don't want to be on a statin drug. And I say, well, first, great. Let's always take the natural route if we can. And second, maybe you need to look at your numbers and maybe you need to do some research and maybe decide if you even need to be on a cholesterol supplement of any kind, because maybe 200 isn't high cholesterol. And maybe people that have high LDL actually live longer and so on and so forth. So if, but what I always tell people is you have to be comfortable doing what you are comfortable doing. So if you're convinced that your cholesterol that's 250 is too high, then, but you don't want to do a statin drug, you've read about the problems and I, and I would like to hit on that before we wrap this up is some of the problems with the drugs. If you feel that way, then yeah, take a natural approach. And there are a few things that have really proven to be incredibly effective. Effective Berberine is probably the best of the best in terms of the research in two ways. One is they've actually studied berberine, and I think this is fascinating. Berberine has been studied against cholesterol medications, against statins, and it's also been studied against a placebo, and it's been studied with statins against a placebo. So we know how berberine behaves um, on its own. We know how it behaves with a cholesterol drug, and we know how it behaves versus a placebo in both cases. And what they've been able to prove is that berberine is as effective as the most commonly prescribed statin drugs um, at lowering cholesterol. It's equal. So if you're thinking, yeah, I'm not so sure that high cholesterol is really not, you know, that, that it's not a good thing or whatever, then berberine is one place that you can look. We have something in uh, natural product stores called red yeast rice. That's actually faster acting than berberine in my experience. It works faster to drop um, blood cholesterol levels, but it is statin-like. It has similar uh, properties to statins and works in a similar fashion to statins. And in a moment, I'm going to talk about why I think I, I recommend red yeast rice for people who have significantly high cholesterol that want to get it down in a short period of time. And then I always uh, remind them, and I don't believe that statins or that uh, red yeast rice is a long-term thing. Maybe move over to something like berberine. We also know the aged garlic extract is incredibly good for cholesterol. The evidence on that is that it shows about a 10% decrease in cholesterol over a 12-week period, I believe it is, and that it seems to actually uh, help with cholesterol ratio, the HDL versus the LDL, okay. seems to help with VLDL as well. So there are a lot of natural things you can do for cholesterol for sure. But I think at least my motivating reason to want to do this particular topic is just really drawing people's minds to a different point of view, a different perspective. Like maybe the hypothesis is just a hypothesis. Maybe we really don't know. So one of the things that I love talking about on Vitality Radio is something called the NNT. It's the number needed to treat. On the opposite side of that is what's called the NNH, the number needed to harm. And what it is, is it's a, it's a way that they've done studies. These are all post-market studies for the most part, meaning that the drug has already been approved. It's been on the market for a few years or, or a bunch of years. And then they can take real-world analysis of real people that aren't in a study per se, but that are taking the drug and look at what the numbers, you know, how did the drug actually behave? So the number needed to treat is very simple. It's how many people have to take a drug for a certain period of time to get the benefit that the drug purports to give. So in other words, if you've got 300 people taking a drug, how many of those 300 people, uh, or sorry, how many people in that group of 300 are going to get the benefit that the drug is designed to give? And in the case of cholesterol drugs and statins, there's two ways to look at number needed to treat. The first way is, how many people took the drug and their cholesterol went down. And in most cases, that's a very, very low number needed to treat. Almost everybody that takes a statin drug gets reduced cholesterol. The other way to look at it, though, is 
why do I want reduced cholesterol? I want reduced cholesterol so I don't get heart disease, so I don't die of a stroke or a heart attack. And so if that's why I'm taking it, then the number needed to treat matters a lot more on that side of things. How many people have to take a statin drug for five years to avoid a heart attack? Well, one person in a group of 217 people would have to take a statin drug for five years in order to avoid a heart attack. So 217 people take the drug for five years. One person avoids a heart attack, according to the studies. So if you're that lucky one in 217, awesome. But if you're in the 216 group, maybe not so much. It's even worse with stroke. One in 313 patients has to take a statin drug for five years for, to avoid a stroke. One out of 313 people. But here's the thing. Remember, I talked about risk benefit at the beginning. Yeah, I'm curious to hear what, you know, the consequences for those other 216. One in 21 people will experience pain from muscle damage. Now, this is important. Muscle pain is the most common uh, side effect associated with statin mm. drugs. Muscle pain, muscle weakness, muscle soreness, muscle stiffness, all of those types of things. And... All of that sounds uncomfortable, but what's actually happening is muscle breakdown. It's actual damage to the muscles from the cholesterol medicine. And that's happening in one of every 21 people. It took 217 people to not have a heart attack, for one person mm. not to have a heart attack, but only 21 people have to be on the drug to have that side effect. One in 204 people will develop diabetes from cholesterol medication. That also is a higher ratio uh, than, or a lower ratio than the people that will actually be benefited from not having a heart attack. And here's the thing that's really critical, I think, with this whole thing. We have to recognize that heart disease itself is an inflammatory condition. It's inflammation of the vascular system. And when we look at Alzheimer's disease, it's known as type 3 diabetes mm -hmm. to a lot of doctors, right? because it's an inflammatory condition of the nervous system and the brain. And so if heart disease is an inflammatory condition, and we know that diabetes is an inflammatory condition, is it wise to take a drug that creates or has the potential to create more inflammation in the body rather than less inflammation? Because if we look at those two numbers, the number needed to harm, one in 21 experiencing muscle damage, what happens when we have muscle damage? We have inflammation. So we're at least getting that level of inflammation in one in every 21 people, and we're getting significant issues in one in every 204 people that now suddenly are diagnosed with diabetes after five years on a cholesterol drug. So if the target is actually inflammation and not cholesterol, mm -hmm. we might be barking up the wrong tree entirely and actually making the problem worse. So my hypothesis, and this is only my hypothesis, is that cholesterol, that statin drugs actually increase the risk of heart disease and decrease overall health and that higher LDL, and this has actually been proven in many studies, probably actually helps you hmm. live longer. Hmm. It's so fascinating. And that's when you start going down the research and you see these other things and what you mentioned about kind of that correlation between the inflammation and the heart disease reminds me of a conversation I had with Dr. Dale Bredesen. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him. Uh, he yeah, wrote, he's been okay. on my show a couple times. Oh, yeah. very cool. Um, yep. So, you know, he talks about those, um, the plaques in the body. And, you know, a lot of the research has been done on how do we remove the plaques. And, and one of my colleagues mentions, it, it, leading to Alzheimer's and dementia, one of my colleagues mentions that or she, she uses this analogy of, let's say you fall down and you scrape your knee and you put a Band-Aid on. Why are we researching the Band-Aid or how to prevent putting a Band-Aid or removing the Band-Aid? Why not research how to prevent falling down? And so it kind of reminds me of what you were just mentioning. It's like, let's get to the real root of what's going on. And, you know, from what I'm hearing, there is a very strong correlation between the heart disease and inflammation and what is leading to more of the inflammation in the body. Right. And why are we ignoring infl inflammation? And, and we have to also understand that I think this is a really critical component. We've been told that we need to avoid saturated fat. We've been told that since yeah. the 60s, since the what they call the Framingham studies, 
came out and I call them the framing fat studies because they basically framed animal fat as the evil, yeah. <laughs> the evil thing. And then we were told, no, instead, and, and Nikki, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I'm going to admit it here on your show. There was a time at Vitality Nutrition, which we're, we're 46 years old this year, when we brought in canola oil, it was organic. Mm-hmm. We brought in canola oil because it was a healthier fat, because yeah. back then we believed what was we were being told about yeah. that. Yeah. Now, my parents were never silly enough to believe that butter is bad for you and that margarine would be good for you because that's just silly. But regardless, there was a time when we were promoting things like canola oil and, uh, you know, uh, safflower oil, sunflower oil, things like that. But this is what we know. ALA, the primary fat in these oils, is an inflammatory fat. Once you oxidize the life out of these fats, which is what's done to make them shelf stable, they're bleached and boiled. And uh, if, if you ever, if you want to just take a 10 minute dive into something fascinating, watch how vegetable oil is made on YouTube. You can watch a little 10, 10 minute video that shows you how canola oil is made. And just watching it in my <laughs> In my opinion, is enough to say, I don't want to take that stuff or eat that, eat that stuff. But we were told then to take fats that are non-inflammatory fats out of our diet and add in a bunch of fats and trans fats, which now they finally say, oh, trans fats are bad, right? But for the longest time, those were the fats they were promoting as the healthy fats were the trans fats. And so we've been told to remove fats that aren't inflammatory and replace them with fats that are inflammatory so that we can have less heart disease, which is an inflammatory disease. There's no logic to it, but there's $20 billion behind it every single year. I know. And unfortunately, I think this is going to be the trajectory moving forward that we, we go down this fad for, you know, you look at, and there's different theories of like keto and vegetarian and vegan and raw vegan and all these different things, which I've done all of the above, Um, you know, and when we put it into place long enough and there's so much like push for that. And I'm not a very balanced person in nature. I'm very all or nothing black and white. And so I tend to go, you know, (laughs) zero to hero, but there is, you know, a point behind, there's a reason. And I'm a believer too, that God created all these different components and, you know, you give it five enough years in one hardcore zero to hero diet or lifestyle, within time, you're going to start seeing some other negative implications. And so finding that sweet spot that works for you, but also knowing that things could ebb and flow during different seasons, you know, being pregnant. Now my intake of things are are changing what I need. My lifestyle is significantly different. So I think that comes back to our conversation of being aware, being conscious, being an informed consumer I think that is the direction or the energy we should be spending our time in to feel healthier, to boost our longevity. Um, I mean, that's kind of where my focus is because things can change. And we, I don't know, I, I would say it's a pretty risky thing to take all the marketing and the media as true in fact, and let's dive into that trend, even though I might on occasion, but you know, I learned the hard way. Yeah. Well, and, and we, I always tell people too, if you're confused about a subject, because cholesterol is a super confusing subject, you're going to read in, you know, the vast majority of places, you're going to read that cholesterol is the enemy and that statins are the hero to protect us from the enemy. And the vast majority of the medical community will agree with that that hypothesis again. There is a growing number of medical professionals that largely disagree or completely disagree with the hypothesis. In fact, there's a group, um, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it's a group of international uh, doctors who have, uh, they call their group the cholesterol skeptics. And they have a page that uh, is really fascinating. Again, I'll send you the link if you'd like it, where they basically release the, the latest news on why they believe that cholesterol has been demonized wrongly. Animal fats have been demonized wrongly, things like that. And um, so there is this group over here on this on the kind of outside looking in. But there are regular medical professionals that are doing regular medical studies and producing them in regular medical journals, but they have been largely kind of almost blackballed and said, well, yeah, but your studies don't say what we want them to say. So please shut up. Right. And so that's happening out there. But this, 
my, my, I guess my overwhelming point is if you're confused about a topic like this, if this is the first time you've heard that, oh, maybe high cholesterol isn't that big of a deal. And again, I'm not your doctor. I don't want to be your doctor. Frankly, I'm, I'm very happy not to be your doctor. <laughs> and so don't take my advice as medical advice at all. But now you've heard a second side to the story. And that in and of itself is enough reason, I think, for you to look deeper, especially if you have high cholesterol, right? So look a little deeper, see if there's any more crazy people out there like me saying this stuff. Uh, look at both sides of the story. And then again, once you've educated yourself, you can make a really good, solid, educated decision for your health. And then I would say this, if you are on a statin drug, and especially if you've been on it for a while, statin drugs are tricky. There are a lot of drugs are like this, but statin drugs are quite tricky because what generally happens with the side effects of statin drugs, in my experience, is that people don't get side effects out of the gate. Most people. Most people take statin drug. They feel fine. Nothing's wrong. What tends to happen with statin drugs is you're into them at least a year before you start to see side effects. So think about how that works. Okay, so I've been on this drug for a year. I've felt fine. Everything's good. And all of a sudden, my muscles hurt or I got a little bit of brain fog or you know, whatever, my hormones are more imbalanced, uh, all the different things that can potentially happen. Most people are never going to say statins equals that because it didn't happen when I first went on the statin. I've been on statin for a year and I've been fine. So if you're experiencing any of the most common symptoms of statin drug, well, any of the symptoms really, I guess, uh, side effects of, of statin drugs, um, Look into it and and see when that started. Uh, you know how well does it correlate or does it correlate to being on the drug? And then one thing that uh, somebody said, and I like the way they said it, so I'm going to try and say it like like he said it is. In most cases, it is very safe to discontinue the drug for a few weeks and see if the symptoms improve. Will and it work that again, quickly? You think? Yeah, this is this is interesting. So the muscle damage thing. You're going to, my experience has been, and this is me just talking to hundreds of people about this over the years. So, you know, real life experiences, it's all anecdotal, not marketing or, or not studied, right? But people have said, yeah, I went on the drug. I started feeling this pain. I went off the drug and within a week or two, I started to feel better. And so pretty quick, they have proven, this is actually studied, that it takes about three weeks off of a cholesterol medicine before you start to notice neurological benefit, less brain fog, less memory loss, things like that. Only about three weeks. It's pretty interesting. Uh, so yeah, you can actually experiment. Um, and because cholesterol drugs aren't drugs that are, um, they're kind of long haul drugs, right? You're not jumping off of a cholesterol drug like you would maybe a, P, uh, a PPI and get like real severe acid reflux if you if you don't taper off of that, or maybe a SSRI, an antidepressant, you don't want a cold turkey, something like that. But in most cases, people can just jump off of statins. They can jump back on them if they need to. It's always suggested, of course, that you talk to your medical professional before you do that. But you can do that and just let your body be the judge. Do I feel better on or better yeah, off? Yeah. And uh, and then if you are still concerned that cholesterol is high, but you recognize statin is a problem, then, you know, look into something like the garlic or the berberine or, you know, reddish rice, something like that that might be less problematic. Absolutely. And I, again, pressing into just being that conscious consumer, which, you know, there's different areas in this health and wellness uh, realm talking about consciousness. And I think I, I think about it in a different aspect, but again, it's just being aware and not taking the information as, you know, really just doing that deep dive with all that. Um, and again, I know Jared, you've mentioned it, but be advised that this is not intended as medical advice. These are our opinions. Um, make sure to consult your healthcare provider for that guidance. But before we pivot off, where can people find more information about you? So the easiest way to learn more about me is through my podcast. It's Vitality Radio Podcast with Jared St. Clair is the full name. But if you type in Vitality Radio, it'll pop up on pretty much any podcast app. Uh, you, of course, Nikki, have been on it once before, and you're going to be on it again very soon. Yes. Uh, so if you if you love Nikki and you want to hear her outside of her realm talking on my show, you could jump over there and, and check it out. We're going to be talking about women's health and hormone balance on our next episode. And uh, previously did a men's health episode, which has been a huge 
huge hit. People talk about it all the time. They love the information Very you cool. gave. So, so that's where uh, you can find me the easiest. Uh, there's also vitalitynutrition.com, which is the website for our uh, store. We are, you know, a, a local brick and mortar health food store in Bountiful, Utah. That's been there for 46 years, but we're now online. So wherever you're at, you can certainly check us out and we'd love to take care of your, of your needs as far as supplements. And there is a chat feature on our website that uh, I usually am actually the one that will chat back uh, when people ask questions there. And uh, if you have questions, you want to actually talk to somebody, you can call us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Fantastic. You got so many resources available for you guys. <laughs> there is no reason um, you know, why you can't seek help and just ask these questions that we're pushing you guys to, to ask about. So thank you again so much for sharing your insight, your understanding, your, you know, beliefs on this, and maybe even starting that conversation for so many of looking at, you know, my mom always calls it being the devil's advocate, really like looking at both sides, because if we're just focusing on one area, that's all we're going down, being conscious of the other side, whether you agree with it or not. And so really just kind of being informed with all that. So I appreciate you so much coming on here and giving us a deeper understanding behind the world of cholesterol. Absolutely. Happy to do it. And I'd love to do it again anytime. We'll take you up on that. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jared. We'll chat with you soon. Thank you. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair. our awesome music is by brian bob young support vitality radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on apple podcasts youtube or your favorite podcast source don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you.